Thank Welcome, you well, thank you, Anne Katrine. Mike's Daily Podcast, FM episode. Mike's Daily Podcast. 2,695. It's Mike Matthews and it's raining. And then sometimes in my life I've been complaining and I do that on the podcast while I'm singing. But then I stop because it doesn't last. The song, it's over right now. That's it. Okay. And the show's called Mike's daily podcast if you are listening to this on october 23rd well this is the day that the swallows Mike's depart daily san juan capistrano podcast at least at once yeah if you are visiting california or you are in california please go visit san juan capistrano it's it's not huge but it's quaint you're next to this freeway that's hauling everybody between San Diego and Los Angeles. But it's kind of not your near Mission Viejo. You're just in an interesting area. I remember I had homemade potato chips there for the first time. And I'll never forget that. That's what I remember Samuel Capistrano. But they got a beautiful mission there. And there is a very interesting video. I was watching a guy on YouTube, a travel vlogger. It's pretty interesting. And for some reason, he was good friends with the guy from Back to the Future. It was Back to the Future Day. Was it yesterday or the, the day before? The guy that played Biff, the villain, apparently lives around there. And he met up with him in San Capistrano and gave him all this life advice. And the guy, the guy, the actor that plays Biff, I don't know whatever else he played, I don't know, but he had a lot to say about acting, about when you travel, the things you should remember. He said, I don't remember anything about actually making Back to the Future, starring in it. All I remember is the stuff in between takes when we were not filming. And here's today's podcast picture. That's the stuff I remember. And the guy who does this travel vlog, he's pretty well known. He's like, yeah, when I turn the camera off, that's the stuff I remember. Which is interesting. Oh, yeah. Makes yeah. you think about artists, creators of content. Content creators. Ugh. Ugh. That's my Pat voice. No one remembers Pat. Okay. It's also National Horror Movie Day. Not a big fan of horror movies. Some of you just, that's, you love the Chainsaw Massacres and all those things. Or Amityville Horror. What not good for you. Hey, it's the late great Basil the Boxer. I don't think he liked horror movies at, uh, at all. But enjoy a horror movie on the 23rd. It must be because we're getting awful close to Halloween. It's also National Boston Cream Pie Day. That's that thing with a lot of chocolate. And then there's that creamy middle. Kind of like a big ding dong. <laughs> if they still make ding dongs. And yeah, so good. All right, but so bad for you. It's also iPod Day, and we should take a moment to thank the creators of the iPod because there would not be podcasts except for them. It would be called something else. It'd be called like pre-recorded radio-esque show or some kind of audio thing. It's called the audio thing. Matthew's News. Because of the iPod, we have the podcast. We get the name from For that. For your entertainment, the one, the only, 
Mike Matthews. <laughs> Rob Black, who I produce his podcast, and we'll probably mention something that he uncovered a little later in the show, but he told me that he was on CNET back in the day before the iPod, and he used to do what was the equivalent of a podcast, a pre-recorded program that was then offered on the internet that you could play whenever you wanted and download to a device and listen to. So that was the early days of the podcast. It's also National TV Talk Show Host Day. Graham Norton. First of all, I just want to just um, thank everyone for joining us here on this show. This is I great. I like them. Jimmy Kimmel. But to- TV talk show hosts. It's amazing. Bob Costas did a TV talk show. He created later. MTV News. You hear it first. Yeah, then Greg Kinnear took it over. And then it turned into something with... Was that Jimmy Fallon's first thing? What he did later? Yeah, and then he eventually took over The Tonight Show. I think that's how it all went. Yeah, because he was on after Conan. And TV talk shows. There you go. All right, enough of that. Oh, and National Mole Day. Oh, mole. Is it mole or mole? This is... <laughs> it. Let's see. Oh, no, it is the mole. The mole that digs deep into the ground. Okay. The news bleed section. Chemists and chemistry students mark the occasion each year on October 23rd. It's a special number in chemistry. It takes place between 6.02 in the morning and 6.02 in the evening. News random. In the date, in the U.S., the time and date are written as such. 6.02... 1023. The time and date are derived from Avogadro's number. Avogadro. No, the mic tip. The number is approximately 6.02 times 10. Oh, to the 23rd? Is that how that is read? Hence the defining the number of particles, atoms, or molecules in one mole of, of substance, one of the seven base SI units. So a mole is a unit of measurement used in chemistry to express amount of chemical substance. And this number is a historical term closely related to the Avogadro constraint, which is named after the early 19th century Italian scientist Amadeo Avogadro. Oh, smart, smart people would understand this day. The Micropedia Insanica. What I learned... How many zeros are in a mole? There are 22 zeros in a mole. What? Wow. How many moles are in a zero? We do not know how many moles are in a zero. What are the groups of numbers separated by commas in a large number called? Each segment of a number between commas are called periods. Okay. Enough of that geekiness and really smart, intelligent people-ness. We are in a world of interesting things happening. And one of the interesting things is if you're pro-Palestine, you're basically considered pro-Hamas. That's apparently what happened with, uh, as we go outside a cafe anyway, where we bring you Mike's Daily Podcast somewhere in Podcastro Valleyton, the last place on earth. 
Greta Thunberg, the education ministry has removed her from curriculum after she has shown quote unquote Hamas, Hamas support. The education ministry has said, and this came from the, what is this? Jerusalem Press, I think is what this is. The education ministry has said it will remove any reference to climate activist Greta Thunberg after she published a post over the weekend supporting the Hamas terrorist organization. What's the cliche of the week? 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 And the ministry said the Hamas is a terrorist, is a terrorist organization responsible for the murder of 1,400 innocent Israelis, including children, women, and the elderly, and it has abducted over 200 people to Gaza. This stance disqualifies her from being an educational and moral role model. What's the cliche of the week? 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 After she posted on X that today we strike in solidarity with Palestine and Gaza. The world needs to speak up and call for an immediate ceasefire, justice and freedom for Palestinians and all civilians affected. Mike's absolutely useless review. The environmental leaders wrote in the letter they are deeply hurt, shocked, and disappointed with your tweet and post regarding Gaza. Look again at the atrocities conducted by Hamas. That was from the Jerusalem Post, I should correct. So, yeah, it is an interesting thing here in the Bay Area when over 4,000 people rallied outside of the San Francisco Federal Building to demand a ceasefire in Gaza. Notice they say a ceasefire in Gaza, not a support for Hamas. But yes, you're going to run into that constantly. Might rip someone a new one. This is, this is why... If you like listening to more left-leaning media, such as National Public Radio, you are going to hear this constant of stories that are based in a way of trying to stop the war, create a ceasefire in Gaza. But in the end, when you listen to left-leaning media organizations like NPR, it all starts sounding very pro-Hamas. And I just, I know a lot of things in this world that are controversial are either pro-this, anti-this. Oh, we're pro-this. We don't mean to be anti-this. But you would come off looking to the other people like they're pro, like they're anti-something. At any rate, it's controversial. And I'm, at this point, banning... From my radio, any NPR stations, which there are several in the Bay Area, so that kind of cuts it down. I'm going to be listening to a lot of podcasts, trying to listen to more moderate voices if I can. And I'm learning a lot, for example, from people like Michael Medved, who was once considered a conservative talk show host. He still is very conservative, but there is a lot of things I did not know. Michael Medved, for example, his family... He has a son and daughter that both studied the Torah in Israel. They went for a year. And this is something that some of the hostages were students that had done the exact same thing. 
uh, the one that was released last week, that 17-year-old, she was in Israel from America uh, studying for a year. I didn't know any of this, so I'm trying to expand what I know. Mike's scavenger hunt. Which is a very good thing. Trying to, you know, logically figure it out in my own head. Which is a very, very good thing. Does that sound right? Does that sound right? And a lot of us are doing that these days. But something on the more lighter side, and we're going to get to the segment, the Mike Matthews New Tunes Feud, in just a little bit. What in the world was that about? So we'll have some of that for you. Some, we haven't done that in a while. Played some new songs that you've not heard anywhere else. And these were sent to me recently to my email, Podcast at gmail.com. There is a interesting thing here about the real estate brokers. You know, when I sold my mom's house, I had to do this remotely. I had to, since my mom's house was in Florida and my mom had passed away, I had to sell her house from California and I had to rely on a real estate agent that I had never met in person. But she was strongly recommended from somebody that I knew, another real estate agent that I had used in California. So I trusted her and she said that, yeah, I have a 6% fee. And I said, okay. And some people at work told me, no, 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 no. That should only be 4%. And I am not the best negotiator. So I, I didn't, I didn't really, ba- I was just happy to find this lady that seemed very pro. Hey, we're going to sell this house soon. And I knew in Florida with the hurricanes coming up, I wanted to get it sold before hurricane season. And there was other things involved with like you have to sell the house within three months if the house was in a reverse mortgage and all this stuff. So I was on a timeline and I didn't want to question too much. Now, do I regret some of that? Yeah. But the lucrative broker commission sharing system is facing unprecedented antitrust scrutiny from the Justice Department. Home sellers on the hook for 5% to 6% cut out of the sale, which was true with me. And that is split between their agent and the buyer's agent. The commission rates, for example, on a $407,000, $100 house, the median existing home sales price, if it's a $407,000, let's just say, is a 5.5% commission and that comes out to $22,390 if you have a over $407,000 house. Bay Area Commission can easily hit $50,000 to $75,000 that the real estate agent gets, which is why we have a lot of real estate agents in the Bay Area. Commissions are around 2% in countries like Australia and the UK. 6% here, 2% there. Two private class action lawsuits combined are seeking $44 billion from the National Association of Realtors, the industry's powerful lobbying group. The commission sharing structure equates to collusion, one attorney said. Completely untying buyer and seller agent fees could lower commissions by as much as $30 billion annually. So hopefully when you have to sell a house, Someday that Or buy a house Well sell a house Is where you're really on the hook They take it right out 
the way it, it, it's sold. And there, here's your money, Mike. Oh, let me take that cut. It's so easy to do in this world when they have the money and they can take a cut. They just have their little knife and they carve it up and they go, here's your part. And if you want a different thing, you got to go to court and all that. It's a, it's a lot of fun in this world of money. Well, we'll see what happens. But Amazon has began, has begun delivering 500 different medications in College Station, Texas using drones. The drones are equipped with cameras. And when they determine a delivery space is clear, they descend and release the package. That is in College Station, Texas. And now, uh, one of the very famous tech companies, Roblox. Roblox in San Mateo, which is right across the bay from Podcastro Valley, has told their employees they will need to come into the office at least three days a week. Or take a severance package. And that means bye-bye. X... Well, if you're on X, check this out. They will begin charging new users a $1 a year fee to access key features, including the ability to tweet and retweet. Wow. And I know from what Elon says, he wants to charge more, wants to start charging people. I mean, I use X for free, but he knows and he has said that the way that to beat the bots... He hates the bots Is to start charging people Will I still have an X account If they charge me to Post tweets No We love you Mike <laughs> Wow 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 I, I don't ever touch TikTok I'm not on TikTok I will not be on X If that's the case Not that anyone cares But there you go And San Diego has taken the top spot In ranking of the most expensive Or least affordable places To live in the U.S. San Diego Now Stay classy San Diego That is of course At the bottom of the state Of California Just close to Mexico It is a beautiful little city That's not a little city I mean It's got these hills And these little valleys And it's right by the ocean And in Mission Bay There's all this wa- these waterways Kind of like the Bay Area And then they got a lot of good Fish taco stands But Oh, and you can't mention SeaWorld anymore because of what they do to the mammals there is horrible. So I guess my point is I like to visit San Diego. And I once, when I was married, my then wife said, let's move to San Diego. And I said, look, if we're going to move to California, because we were in Alabama at the time, both of us former Californians at that point. I said, we're going to move to the Bay Area. I am not going to live in San Diego because... It is just not I mean it's it's nice to visit But as you can see here It is the most expensive Or least affordable place to live The others in the top 10 Include Los Angeles, Santa Barbara San Francisco Ah, I don't live in San Francisco though I live in Podcaster Valley So it's a little bit more affordable Number 6 In most expensive places to live Is the oh San, San Francisco is the number six. There's also Salinas, Santa Rosa, Vallejo, and Fairfield. 
in the top 10. So we got a lot of expensive places to live in the U.S. right here in California. Outside a cafe anyway, somewhere in Podcastro Valley. Look who's here. Hello, Michael Max. It's Matt the Mega. I've never been to San Diego. Yeah, well, it's got really good, delicious food. And the little old town area is nice to visit. Have you been there? Yes. Have you been on the roller coaster at, is it Mission Beach? Pacific Beach? One of those beaches. Yes. Have you been to La Jolla? No. I want to go to La Jolla. We have friends in La Jolla. In La Jolla. Why don't we do something different now? Because we've done a lot of things on this podcast. Some things I'm not too proud of, but hey. Wait, what? Okay, we were talking about California a little bit, a lot of bit on this podcast. So why don't we continue all this podcast California talking? I mean, here on iPod Day. To mention this interesting fact I got, or observation anyway, I got this email from a guy named Jack, Mike's Daily Podcast at gmail.com. I wanted to get in touch with some research from gambling.com. Which U.S. states have the biggest winning mentality based on four factors commonly asserted with a winning mentality, which include self-confidence, motivation, optimism, and bravery. The research revealed that California ranks fourth as one of the states with the biggest winning mentalities in America. Here are the top five. States with the most confidence Let's see Number five is Colorado Four, California Number three, Washington Number two, Montana And the most winning mentality State Or the state with the most people With the best winning mentality Is Alaska Which kind of makes sense Because you've got a lot of Alaskans that came from other places and they're like, I don't care about the cold. I can win. I can survive the cold. It says here with the 2023 American Gambling Awards on the horizon, gambling.com decided to create an index based on factors such as motivation and optimism in order to reveal which states truly have the winner's mentality. The index revealed that Alaska is the state with the biggest winning mentality in America, followed by Montana in second place and Washington in third. At the bottom of the ranking is West Virginia with the lowest score, followed by Tennessee and Ohio. So there you go. We in California, we have a winning spirit, maybe. That's right. We do. Look who else is here. Hello, Dave Mike. This is Valentino, the parking attendant. And this is Bison Bentley. Mike, we love the fact that here in California that people respect us because from other parts of the world, we are considered the ones that have the best weather day. Yeah, best weather. You know, it rained a little bit today. And I freaked out because at the beginning of this year, we had a lot of rain and I had a big leak downstairs and I thought oh not that again so I don't know about our weather being that great it certainly isn't humid 
I like if you like no humidity, this is the place to be. But it is also the place to be if you want to hear the Mike Matthews new tunes feud. I'm going to play you five songs that are brand new you've never heard before. And this is exciting because they were all emailed to me at mikesdailypodcast at gmail.com. The first one came from a guy that's been on the podcast. You can hear a earlier interview with him from a few years back at my website, mikesdailypodcast.com. Click on the upper section there that says home and the interviews tabs will pop out. And you want to go to the one that's got the letter D. I think it's A through F. Go to that first one and you'll find Daniel G. Harmon. Because I alphabetized by first name And Daniel sent me an email saying I spent a chunk of my summer hidden away Working on this little secret I kept it pretty close And asked two of my most trusted friends and collaborators Johnny Nails and Bill Nordwall To come along for the ride They helped me wrap it up And pulled off some magic that I don't Have the chops to do myself These dudes speak the same language as me And understand me as a musician Better than most Probably better than I understand myself my version of the Counting Crows record, August and Everything After, is out now. This record defined the mid-90s for me and could maybe be the most influential record of my entire career. I drove away from the town I grew up in, in my big blue F-150, listening to the CD on repeat. I screamed every word with tears streaming down my cheeks like I'd never been born. I knew then that this would stay with me. That there was a timelessness there That it was the end of some stuff But also a beginning I will say here, here, Daniel G. Harmon Because I had a girlfriend back then in the 90s A redhead And she loved this album She had it on cassette Unlike you having it on CD She had it on cassette And the cassette played over and over and over again In her little red Honda Civic that eventually broke down and I had to pay to have it move. I remember paying a lot to help her fix it and she never had any money and she was a barista and I had a thing for baristas back then in the 90s because there were so many cool coffee houses in the 90s. Do any of you remember? The 90s had the coolest coffee houses everywhere before Starbucks obliterated it. Even Starbucks, their stores were cool back in the 90s. They had really cool furniture. Every coffee house you went to looked like Central Perk from Friends. The Friends soundtrack was playing in every one of those coffee houses. You had the Rembrandts all the time, Hootie and the Blowfish. It was awesome. Oh my gosh. The bottom of the chart. Pretty good songs that never made it on the radio because people didn't think they were worth But you know what? They come back up and people start playing them. And it's like, oh. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Counting Crows is very, very coffee house to me. I went out and bought the CD at a Tower Records. I was working in Thousand Oaks at the time because it came out in the early 90s. And I was working there at a radio station that was playing music I did not like, but I needed a job in radio. And it taught me a lot about radio at this job. And when I had some free time, I could leave the station, walk a few blocks, and I was at a Tower Records in Thousand Oaks near Westlake Village, and I would go in and buy CDs. And one of them, along with Simple Minds' greatest hits, which had Waterfront on it, which, did you know Waterfront was the inspiration for the song Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears? 
that dun 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 that was the same thing that Simple Minds had in Waterfront. Dun 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 something like that. They're very similar in nature. So, oh, and the other big song, big album that I oh, the other big song from that greatest hits is See the Lights. Very Oh my gosh, one of the best songs Simple Minds ever did. Forget about Don't You Forget About Me. Forget about that song, even though you're not supposed to. Alive and Kicking is great. Sanctify Yourself, all that stuff off that Once Upon a Time album are great. But See the Lights. Oh, one of my favorite songs by Simple Minds. Please, Daniel G. Harmon, cover that song at some point. But here is Daniel G. Harmon with uh, his version of a very popular Counting Crows song. Here we go. There you go, and he does the whole album, every song. So there you go. That's our first song. So do you like that one by Daniel G. Harmon, or do you like this one by Candle, spelled with a K? They have a song called Live a Lie. Coming back bolder than ever, self-produced and in charge, fearless Shantu, Shantu's uh, candle proves once again that her uh, cinematic, raw songwriting can't be packaged up. Here, here, let's not be packaged up with that. It it should be Shantu's. Shantu, sorry. Chanteuse. One more time. Chanteuse. Oh, that's what I meant to say. Chanteuse. Uh, Candle proves once again that her cinematic raw songwriting can't be packaged up and put in one simple category. Her new song, Live a Lie, is just a taste of the highly anticipated upcoming album to be released next year. Let's listen to a little bit of this song. It is called Live a Lie. is interesting. I don't know what's happening in here. She's like with a bunch of businessmen that are dancing. I don't know. Okay. There you go. Interesting video to that particular song. Okay. Next one is by a, ah, a band called Wash with two A's. Uh, There's never enough voices, it says. Hi, Mike. There's Never Enough Voices is about trying to come to an understanding about the intentions within your actions and the realization of your past mistakes. Quite often we get caught in the moment and don't understand the consequences. Hopefully in time we reflect and begin to move on regardless of our past understanding. Reality, it's just about making sure you have all the information before making decisions. Make sure you know what you're talking about before you start talking. Eh... Okay, I'll try. So here's WASH with two A's, all in caps, with their song, There's Never Enough Voices. Ooh. 
some U2 from the 80s, early 80s. Okay, that's Wash. Song number four is Jimbo. Sometimes, it says, hi Mike, sometimes a relationship ends so badly that a piece of yourself dies with it immediately. My band Jimbo's new song, Ship I Can Sink, was born out of this experience. Last summer when my relationship ended, I was the captain of my own sinking ship. Let's listen to this, the band Jimbo, Ship I Can Sink. there it's uh, got another three and a half minutes I'm so sh- so sorry that I ha- say my S is with an SH sound but also that I can't play the whole song but I will get dinged by YouTube Ugh. so annoying and the last song here song five is Mia Dyson hello legends okay my new song these words is rolling out around the world today and I wanted to share it with you Sometimes words just get in the way of understanding each other. I love to talk and I do it plenty, but my time spent meditating these past few years has found me a love for the silence and the stillness. Being with people without language, playing music together, just being, just being. This song wonders who we are beyond language. Can we be without words or thoughts? Here is... Mia Dyson and her song, These Words. You couldn't speak and then I could see you. I was so thirsty to understand you, to be understood too. It's hard to give up words, trust the silent space we find here. Mia Dyson and These Words. Which ones you like best? Did you like Daniel G. Harmon? Candle? Did you like Wash? Did you like Jimbo or Mia Dyson? You can give me a call or you can email me to call me. Here is the number. Call Mike at the Cafe Anyway hotline. Area code 510-228-4640. Will you shut up? Liberty Nation Freedom Foam for All. And with the email and everything after, it is A-Frame. Mike's Daily Podcast is written and produced and performed by Mike Matthews. His podcast is super easy to find. Download or listen to his show and read his blog at mikesdailypodcast.com. Email Mike now at mikesdailypodcast at gmail.com. See you tomorrow. Bye.